Welcome to Living in the Shade of an 80s Arcade, and today we're going to talk about Meltel Electronics handheld games. Hello, and I am Joel McLaughlin, your excellent host of Living in the Shade of an 80s Arcade, and today we're going to talk about a topic near and dear to a 80s kid's Heart, the Mattel Electronic Game. Ladies and gentlemen, we challenged hotshot Dick Tchaikovsky to play the Mattel Electronics football game. Dick doesn't know. Inside is a tiny thinking computer that plays like a whole team of pros. Dick's got the ball, but that computer defense is tough. He drives up the middle. Stop goal. One yard. Now Dick cuts left down the sidelines. Touchdown. Mattel Electronics Pocket Football with a built-in computer. Hey, who's in there? Oh. Hey, who's in there? Yes, indeed. That was my favorite um, that I had uh, at the time, the Mattel Electronic Football. It was the first one they actually brought out, too, and we are going to talk about probably both of them, okay? But Mattel Electronic Football, uh, it came out in, what, 77 or 78, but uh, it was definitely available in the early 80s. And um, I believe I got that one for Christmas. Uh, and uh, I think my brother got the baseball one uh, for Christmas as well. Um, that was, at the time, that's what we had. We didn't have the Atari. The Atari wasn't out yet or wasn't, well, or if it was out, wasn't really affordable. But without these kind of games inspiring us kids in the 80s uh, to basically want something like this. Uh, the co game consoles like the Atari uh, 2600 or the Atari Video Computer System, depending on when you bought it, uh, or the ColecoVision, which also Coleco also had some games. We'll talk a little bit about that too. Uh, but um, what these essentially were, were like Game Boys before Game Boys, but they only played one game. Uh, the only game that you could play is the game that was on the handheld. Uh, Mattel brought out electronic football, baseball, basketball, auto race, uh, football 2, basketball, basketball 2. Um, God, they had so many of them. But it, and, it, and of all the handheld ones that I found to be the greatest was... Uh, the Mattel versions. Uh, the Mattel versions were solidly built. Um, although I will say I have my original one from 1977, um, and it needs some <laughs> some repair. I think one of the things I want to try and do um, eventually is to order some caps and uh, open it up and clean it up a little bit inside, and uh, look and see uh, what other things uh, could go wrong. It's one of the things that uh, at least the original versions of the Mattel electronic games were, um, they were all powered off of a nine volt battery. Now what my dad, my dad got smart. Um, and at one point he found a way to, uh, alter the back of, in fact, mine has this alteration, but he altered the back of the back battery cover, uh, and put a little, like kind of little slot in it. And then we bought a nine volt, um, uh, AC adapter. They actually had they and they did make these. They actually had a little uh, 
and on it that looked just like the top of a 9-volt battery. And you can plug it into this game and you can play it, um, which is pretty darn cool. Um, they had, uh, let's see, I want to see if I can find like a definitive list. Auto Race came out in 1976. The Mattel football was... Uh, I'm trying to see. If I'm trying to find the game release date, but it's right around that time, 70s, early 70s, late 70s, not early 70s, but definitely late 70s. Um, and uh, I think without these games, Mattel wouldn't have proceeded with the Intellivision. Uh, the Intellivision was uh, their video game system, and we should do a show on that. Um, and uh, I think that's going to be uh, a future show. So, um, but that's uh, something I lo I'm looking forward to talk talk about it is the Intellivision. So, um, but the electronic without these handheld games, I don't believe these consoles would have ever existed because this really tested the waters. Uh, Mattel was doing these, Coleco, all these toy companies. I think they were deathly afraid. Uh, in the late 70s and early 80s of the video game craze that was starting to take over the world, starting with Space Invaders here in the United States. Uh, Space Invaders and Pong, I should say. So, uh, uh, to describe Electronic Football, I'll, I'll talk about Electronic Football because it's the one I have, but most of these games were pretty much the same. They had um, a basically a display that was basically made out of uh, early LEDs, um, and instead of a, like a dot, they were actually little dashes and in the, the very first football game, all you can do is run and kick. You could not move backwards. Um, but it basically, you had to navigate your quarterback through, um, the defense and they were also little dashes. So, and as, as you go along, you, you had to. I'm trying to think how many yards are actually on the screen. I think it was actually nine yards on the screen uh, instead of ten, um, because that's all they can really fit. But um, so then once you once you got through uh, ten yards, of course, you got your first down. But then once you got all the way down to the uh, to the end zone, it would play uh, a little music um, that you did hear in the commercial there. So, um, but these games were wildly popular at Christmas time. Uh, in fact, I'll go ahead and play a commercial that uh, was uh, out in 1980 for the Mattel video games at Christmas time. <laughs> Mattel Electronics is offering a big Christmas bonus on its electronic games. You can get cash rebates by mail from $2 up to $12 using these coupons. When you buy qualifying electronic games and a Pepsi-Cola product, get details and coupons at the toy, electronic, and food stores featuring these Mattel Electronics and Pepsi-Cola displays. And score a cash Christmas bonus from Mattel Electronics. And that was... The Christmas commercial from 1980, uh, and of course, uh, Pepsi um, got involved into that, um, and uh, set up a kind of like a coupon program for the the uh, handheld games, uh, and and I said video games, 
before I played the commercial, but um, keep in mind, uh, for us, that's what they were. Um, even though they weren't really video, they were essentially LED games. And uh, they actually kind of were an evolution out of games like um, Tomy brought out a, uh, I think it was a Tomy Grand Prix, I think it was. And it was a more or less a mechanical um, video game of sorts. Um, and uh, there was also another one that I did have, and I it was a like a Tomy game as well. And it was, I think it was Pong. Um, it had a um, kind of Pong, I think. Um, the thing I remembered about that one was it had an LED, and it actually had motors that moved that LED back and forth. So the Mattel ones were kind of innovative and uh, and uh, very cool uh, for that early time. And uh, they were you know, relatively cheap. My, you know, We had multiples of them. At one point, I got the basketball game. Um, I don't remember if my brother got too many more of those. Um, we usually did. It, it, like like at Christmas time, if if uh, one of us wanted uh, the Darth Vader Tie Fighter, uh, we both got it. So I actually had the. It's actually sitting behind me here in the '80s arcade studio. So, um, but um, I really really liked the uh, handheld games. I have two of them, uh, and uh, after the break, we'll continue the talk. Welcome back, and I want to thank Anchor for uh, providing the hosting space for this podcast. Without it, uh, I would not, um, well, without it, I'd have to do something else for hosting. Um, but um, that's uh, one thing, one uh, set of people I want to thank. Another I want to thank is Rob Fott in Living in the 80s, who should also be back today. Uh, on his show, and then Jason Big J Peitzmeyer for Chewing the Fat and Free for All, two shows I love listening to, and uh, I highly recommend those shows, especially Free for All, if you are at all um, interested in freedom for all. So there we go. Um, I also do want to thank the people on the Facebook page, Aaron uh, you have come through again with some really great stuff. Um, I, I wish I wish I had the time to mess with some of that stuff. Um, but uh, what he has done here is he has a YouTube video he posted in the group of playing the Atari Twenty Six Hundred Missile Command using your hands, and he wrote this uh, wrote some. Um, code with a python and OpenCV, uh and um set it up so basically uh you could move the cursor and fire the missiles all with your hands instead of a classic atari joystick or trackball uh i said um aaron said um i think i say you're in, i'm probably butchering your name but uh he says hi missile command was one of the earliest 80s video games i played it when i was a kid with the atari to a 600 Today, as a software program, I combine this favorite game from the 80s with a new technology. This is a cool project of controlling a missile command game using your hands and fingers to control the movement and shooting. Uh, the link for the video is, and he leaves the link in the, in the Facebook page. You're most welcome to share it. Subscribe for more videos to come. And I agree, uh, Aaron has a lot of really cool videos um, on doing a lot of this uh, stuff with your hands uh, in modern video games. That's something that uh, really can help um, 
people who have issues grabbing a joystick and using it. Um, so that's uh, kind of uh, fun stuff. It allows them to have the classic 80s fun as well. So before I go back to talking in, about the um, handheld games, um, I do want to bring up uh, the R- 80s arcade studio is for the most part complete. I still got some organization to do, but all this stuff is unpacked. I have everything, every almost everything made, at least all the uh, computer stuff made it. Um, I have my old uh, PowerBook G4 from, uh, what, 99, I think it was. Uh, it's the 12-inch version. And I have my Nokia N810 and N800 handhelds, which were um, uh, early 2000 uh, Linux-based handhelds. Um, and then uh, my, I got my printers. Uh, in fact, you might be able to hear the uh, my first one, the first one I ever had, which was a PowerSpec i3 Mini, which was basically a um, relabel of the Wanhao i3 Mini. Uh, I'm printing something on it now because right now my primary, which is the Creality CR10 Mini, which I've since upgraded with a Big Tree Tech SKR a 1.5 board. Um, and I know I'm probably losing the video games fans <laughs> with talking about that. But basically when I did that, it added uh, silent drivers to the printer. Well, I was printing the bottom to a project, which I'm going to talk about shortly here. And uh, it didn't hold on to the print bed, and then it wrapped itself around the hot end. And it's basically full of big uh, black plastic goo. All right. So anyway... What was I printing? Uh, well, um, one of my old computers, which is the very first computer that uh, this show host has ever had before I had an x86 computer, uh, which my first one was a Leading Edge D2, uh, which was a 286 computer. Um, but before that, in 1985, I had received for Christmas, along with my brother, an Atari 800XL uh, computer uh, it was 64. They had 64K of RAM, which for, at the time was uh, fairly large. And the computer itself was probably cheaper than some of the peripherals. Like one thing I never did get for it was a um, floppy drive, because the floppy drive. Um, a lot of those, a lot of people don't know. Like both the, I know both the Atari and the Commodore had the 6502 chip, which is the that was pretty much the chip that almost all the home computers used at the, at the day, including the Apple II. Um, but they um, included one of those chips in the floppy drive. Um, that uh, kind of made it almost almost more expensive than the computer itself. So I never really had one of those. And buying one now, you know, considering they're 30 or 40 years old now, um, buying one now, um, you will have some repair and uh, some hard-to-find parts in order to get that thing functioning. So what I'll probably do on down the road is uh, there is a hacker in Poland by the name of Lotharek who makes something called a SIO2SD. So essentially what it is is a little box with an LCD on it. Uh, You load uh, floppy drive images onto a SD card, uh, which you can probably fit almost the whole library of Atari uh, floppy disk games on one SD card. And then you uh, scroll through the uh, the uh, floppy images on the screen, 
select the one you want, and then you turn on the computer like you normally would, and it will boot off of the uh, SIOTA SD uh, and uh, load the game, which is pretty darn nifty. The, what I did have on my Atari 100XL when I had it was a tape drive. Atari made a tape drive for cassette-based uh, uh, programs. You can also save the cassette. Like, so say if you had the Atari Writer uh, cartridge, uh, and my dad uh, and I did have that, and he actually typed up his resume on the Atari 800XL. He and my mom did that, and then they printed it with an Atari 1027 near-letter-quality printer. Uh, that we had. I also had another printer, uh, the 1020, which was essentially a small plotter uh, that was used uh, ink pens uh, to uh, uh, have the computer control the ink pens, and you can draw things that look like spirographs and stuff like that. But to make a long story short, <laughs> shorter, <laughs> um, the another thing that's kind of harder to come by uh, with computers of that age is the game controllers. Um, I do have one working original Atari joystick, and I had a I had what was a working uh, Atari Pro Line joystick, which is the joystick that shipped with the Atari 7800. And right now it's gutted because what I'm going to do is I and what I have done um, is I bought um, a Sanwa arcade joystick in a arc, set of arcade buttons, uh, and basically, well, with the Atari, you really only need one button. But uh, I'm making my own custom uh, joystick with quality controls on it. So um, uh, right now I'm waiting for the new print head to arrive tomorrow, the new hot end for my printer, and I should be able to print the bottom and hopefully uh, get everything screwed together. I do have, well, not just screwed together, but soldered and screwed together. So um, that is the plans for the wonderful Atari 800XL that's now connected to a 43-inch <laughs> overkill for this system but a 4k tv which also has roku built into it which means i can watch aaron's video on my tv in the 80s arcade studio uh, one of the other things i need to buy um, for the game setup is i do want to get a, a a stool or two so that we can play games on it but right now i have a handful of cartridges i have defender i have um star raiders the original star raiders um dig dug Caverns of Mars, um, Eastern Front 1941, uh, E.T. Phone Home, uh, which is the 8-bit version of, of an E.T. video game. Um, the 8-bit Atari computer version was a lot better than the 2600 version. It was nowhere near as awful. But um, uh, that's what I've got. Um, the other thing I had to do uh, once I got the 800XL unboxed and moved in is uh, when I first powered it on, I, uh, first I replaced the power supply. You can buy replacement power supplies on eBay, with that's eBay, where I bought mine on 8bitclassics.com um, because the 40-year-old, 40 40-plus-year-old 40 power supply from the Atari um, 800XL, uh, they didn't really make the power supplies to last. Uh, so one of the problems is they have probably have some electrolytic capacitors and those did begin to degrade over over time. Uh, so in um, probably less of a problem with the Atari 800XL than it is on the Commodore 64. But um, you can actually short out the uh, motherboard on these computers uh, if the power supply goes. So uh, 
I bought a new power supply, and I also bought a RGB uh, cable. So it plugs into the RGB port. First time I've ever used that port because uh, we never had that. We always used the RF input on the on a you know the old tube TVs, and I plugged that into um, the composite video and left and right channels on my TV, and I can play um, the Atari 800XL games on a modern TV. Um, it also has S-Video out. I can probably get a, a, a conversion box. They'll convert the S-Video signal to an HDMI. That might look a little better. In fact, whatever box I buy might also have the ability to upscale it so it looks a little bit smoother. Uh, but um, we will see. I'm not, I'm not probably, that's probably lower on my list. I'd rather have things like the SAO to ISD because it looks fine on the composite. Um, so... Um, but those are two things I had to do with it. And I also had to um, tear the computer. The computer was actually already apart, and I had lost the screws. But luckily, um, I was able to find some suitable replacements. Uh, but one of the things, too, that when I first powered it on, um, it worked. And the, and the cartridge games worked. Um, the keys along the right-hand side of it worked. But the main keyboard wasn't working. So what I did t was take it apart. And there are about three different kinds of keyboards that the Atari 800XL can have. Um, one of them is traditional mechanical switches, similar to the IBM Model M keyboards. But the other two use a Mylar layer, which have um, essentially has traces printed on them. And then the top half of the keyboard mech had uh, um, some springs in it, which gave you a nicer feel. Uh, but what happens is over time, well, not just over time, but just dirt and stuff accumulates uh, between those two layers. So I took the took it apart, un very carefully unfolded the mylar, and then I had uh, these uh, eyeglass wipes, which I believe have just a little bit of alcohol in them. And uh, I used that to wipe the dirt off of the contacts and all that, and then uh, put it all back together. And lo and behold, I've got a functioning keyboard. Um, now, the one thing that I may end up planning on getting uh, for that is uh, there is a few, I think 8-Bit Classic sells them. Um, they have replacement Mylar um, pieces uh, that have new traces on them uh, because over time, these traces, will the paint will just start to degrade even more, and eventually the keyboard may not work anymore. So um, that... Uh, is is that's probably about thirty bucks. So I'm looking at looking forward to possibly replacing that. But that's my update on the '80s arcade studio. And let's go back to talk about some classic Mattel Electronic games. Hey JD, try Mattel Electronics Football Two, the all pro version of the number one electronic football game. Hey, what's the difference? Now you can pick off. Run back. Now that's good. Pass. That's even better. Scramble in any direction. I'm getting clobbered. The built-in thinking computer defense can even intercept. Who's in there? All Pro Football 2. I said who's in there. Football 2, one of nine sports games from the number one name, Mattel Electronics. And that was the commercial from 1978 for Mattel Electronics Football 2. Now this is one I have played. I did not own the game. I would never receive this game as a gift. But it took the classic uh, form of the classic um, football game, uh, 
uh, and it actually um, added some things to it. Football 2, you can not just move forward, up and down, or left and right, if you depending on how you looked at the screen. <laughs> um, but uh, you can also move backward. And you can also pass for the first time. Uh, I, th I think I might have mentioned that in the first half of the show, but that's really what made made that one a really great video game. It had a, a large, a little bit larger display than the other one, and probably the other cool thing about the Mattel Electronic Games was both on the football, football two, and the basketball and the um, baseball ones. They had what looked like uh, stands all around the display, which is pretty darn cool. Um, but um, I remember now at that t at that time you can it was technically a two player game. So on in each of those games, what you would do is um, when you were on one side, like if you started first on the football game, uh, you would play until you either got um, four downs. A touchdown or a field goal and then uh you would hand it over to your brother and uh, he would play the uh the uh, other side uh, and they're actually it's actually more fun and more challenging if you do it that way you can play yourself which is kind of cool but you know kind of also boring so that's kind of the one that one, some of the things uh that you could do with those games so other stuff uh, and other games from the ha from the handheld electronic era, uh, also from 1978, Coleco brought out electronic quarterback. So um, it looked very similar to the uh, Mattel version, uh, but it, it from the beginning it could go you could go forward and back. Um, you also had a. Um, display button to show the scores and a kick and pass button um uh, so uh, uh and there was a little switch right next to the kick and pass button that would switch the k slash p button or the kick and pass button to um from kick to pass uh, so i i didn't have that but I, I did have some uh uh local uh friends in vandergriff pennsylvania when we lived there um, that's, we lived there in the late seventies, early eighties. Uh, I was about fourth or fifth grade at that time. So, um, but, uh, Coleco had that. And then, uh, there was also a, like a double header, um, football game. I'm trying to remember who made that one, but it basically had controls on both sides of the field. Uh, so that you can both, you know, like one player could actually play the defense instead of letting the defense be controlled by the computer, and the other player played the offense, which is pretty darn cool at the time as well. Um, other kind of related products was Mattel brought out the Merlin, which was a puzzle game. They even had puzzle games back in that era. Um, I always wanted one. I played with one. Uh, I had some friends that had one. So I got to play with the Merlin, um, but it was a really neat game. Uh, another one was the Little Professor from Texas Instruments. It was essentially a LED calculator that that uh, taught you uh, multiplication, division, so on and so forth. So it was a smart, uh, smart er video game, I guess. Uh, not so much of a video game or electronic game, uh, but it was a good teaching tool. 
And then uh, there was also, um, I'm trying to remember who made this. I need to look at and see who made the Speak and Spell. They had Speak and Spell and Speak and Mass. So Speak and Spell was a um, basically a spelling game. Uh, it was made by Texas Instruments as well. And the kind of the neat thing, uh, now Speak and Spell was also in a great 80s film. E.T. It controlled the uh, uh, little um, uh, communicator that uh, E.T. made to phone home. Uh, and uh, the neat thing about the speaking spell and the speaking math was that they had a voice um, chip in it, so they could talk to you, uh, which is pretty nifty. Uh, and these are kind of like the start of. Um, this is all like before VTech. VTech was popular when my son was was little um these were what was popular when i was little um and then other things like um see teddy ruxpin came out in that time period not really an electronic game but also kind of a neat toy that incorporated electronics um and then there was also um the um 2xl uh the the original 2xl was uh made to take an eight track tape and it had track buttons on the front, and the track buttons actually had different um, uh, things on them, like uh, like um, multiple choice questions. And uh, 2XL would then talk to you, and then you had to pick um, the right answer to that. And then that, of course, would change the track, and it would tell you if you got the answer right or wrong. It's pretty innovative for the time, uh, electronic game. Uh, and uh, I know a lot of people that had those. Um, so that was uh, the the uh, 2XL. Um, back to more things that were like video games. Uh, even Nintendo uh, brought out a um, a uh, little handheld game. Uh, Gunpei Yokoi um, saw um, kids on the train playing uh, with a uh, calculator, and he thought that it would be interesting to make a, a LCD-based game that uh, kids could play uh, with just or people can play just to waste time. So that's when they started the Game & Watch series. Which the Game & Watch series right now are very valuable. I don't have any. I never had any when I was a kid. Uh, those kind of came out uh, a little later uh, than I would have been interested in them. Uh, but as the 80s went on, the LED-based games like Mattel Electronics, uh, Auto Race, and... Uh, the uh, uh, Sears also brought some specific ones out. Uh, now, that's the funniest thing. Sears was bringing out electronic games back in the uh, seven, late 70s and 80s, and now they're almost gone, So, um, you know, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but um, they did ha and I had an auto race one, which is very similar to the Mattel version, except for in instead of a... Uh, um, like the Mattel version had like a little car um, on top of what looks like a little slider and that would slide your car from one side to the other tr of the track uh, and the track of course was just a like an LED and the look, other cars would come down the track and you had to avoid hitting them to get to the end of the you know to win the race but it also had like a uh, the Mattel version also had like a little uh, slider switch for changing the gears and a start and reset switch. So um, the the Sears one, 
uh, had a like a orange uh, a orange um, steering wheel on it um, and uh, it was left to right or right down no, left to right is what it was and basically the same concept but the screen was just uh, lined up um, left to right and uh, in the Sears and Rock Sears and Robux elect Electronic Auto Race, which was um, pretty nifty. I had that one when I was a kid, um, and uh, the um, you know so even Sears was coming into the game. Sears also, um, I don't know if I mentioned this. I need to do a specific show on the twenty six hundred, but I don't think I've done that. Uh, I've talked about games that are on the twenty six hundred, but um, Sears also brought out the Sears Telegames, which is basically a rebranded. Uh, um, uh, 2600 is all what it was. Um, so, um, and then the nice thing was Sears. So they had rebranded games, but they also had just like the auto race game. They also had some games that were, um, uh, specific to Sears and exclusive to Sears because Sears had used to have a really neat toy section, but they don't have that now if you can even find a Sears. So, um, but that, uh, was, a era that will never come back um, because now in 1990 and uh, going forward, 1990 is when the uh, Game Boy really came to play. It actually came out in 1989, I believe, but it really gained popularity in the 90s. Uh, and uh, then you had the uh, po uh, Game Boy Pocket, Game Boy Color, uh, uh, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Advance SP, so on and so forth, all the way now to on the Nintendo side, the highest game is the 3D XL or the Switch, if you count the... Because the Switch technically is a handheld game. Much more advanced than anything that came out in the 80s. Uh, but the nice thing is, if you do have a Nintendo Switch, you can play classic 80s arcade games. Which, in the 80s, you know, we always looked at the... When we had a video game, we always looked at see. Well, how close was it to the arcade? Like the Atari 2600 Pac-Man was awful uh, compared to uh, what uh, Namco did in the arcade. Um, so, uh, but now you can actually play that on. Well, you can not just play it on the Switch, but I think you can play it on Android phones as well as the iPhone. Uh, so, um, classic 80s games are still popular, and that's kind of the point. Um, uh, the John Madden football from 2003 is not going to be uh, as remembered as Pac-Man is today. Just think about that. So, um, in speaking of 2003, the Mattel games were actually remade, uh, and I have the remake uh, of the original Football One game, um, and uh, that. They made some several changes on it, that which kind of made it um, a little bit, well, better in some ways and not so good in other ways. Um, the 2003 version, um, that one had a, instead of individual LEDs, it had like a couple LEDs uh, and they lit up uh, a LCD from behind. And the LCD basically just masked out the light from the LEDs, except for wherever the 
LED for your little football player was. Um, but it was really just a little, you know, it was just a LCD game. Uh, and like I said um, earlier, is as the 80s went on, the LCD games were what became popular with the Game & Watch and so on and so forth. And then that kind of ended games that you could play under your blanket, uh, no matter uh, what your mother wanted you to do. Um, the nice thing about the remakes, though, is they did include a Switch on the remake games that you can turn the sound off. Because let's face it, the sound on those games weren't great, but uh, that's what we had in the year 1980, 81, 82, and late 70s. So, um, at least at home. You know, but it was before, before any of us could afford the Atari 2600 or the ColecoVision or the Intellivision, so, and other computers and stuff like that. So, but that's going to be it for this week. I think next week we're going to talk about Intellivision, so stay tuned for that. And I hope you all stay safe and, uh, you know, be careful. Um, if you are in an area uh, like we seem to be now, uh, do whatever your government says for now. Um, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll uh, have some of our more of our freedoms back here before too much longer as we... Uh, uh, finish. You know, I never thought here in 2021 I'd still be talking about COVID, but we're still talking about COVID. So, um, anyway, thank you all for listening. God and God bless. Have a great weekend. Oh, before you go, I do want to uh, implore you if you listen to this, I'm going to probably release this probably about midnight. So if you wake up and you're listening to this show with coffee and you live in the Columbus area and or in the suburbs. Uh, you might want to check out the Capital City Church. It's on 464 Rathmail Road. Uh, we are having a fish fry slash car show. Uh, so um, it starts at 10 a.m. The fish will be available by 11 a.m. Uh, so I, my plan is, is we're going to go over uh, and uh, go uh, at 11 a.m., take a look at the car, or at 10 a.m., <laughs> take a look at the cars, uh, and then uh, have some fish and then uh, head home. To watch the Buckeyes play the Oregon Ducks. So have a great week. And we'll talk to you later.